0: Hello, this is Lydia from the Tech Podcast, and today I'll be talking to you about terahertz frequency. We'll be talking about what terahertz frequency is, why it is important, and also discussing some of the challenges which have been identified with implementing a system based on terahertz frequencies in a communications network. So just to tell a bit of a personal story, I came across this, uh, topic on terahertz frequency range when I was considering, uh, the proposal to submit for my research, um, degree in wireless communications, which I'm currently pursuing at the University of Kent. And the reason I was motivated to look in this direction was because of my own uh experience in the testing and delivery of wireless networks, so one of the first issues I noticed and really struggled with is as an engineer, is the availability of bandwidth to deliver the level of service and the capacity required um in today's network as a starting point, and then thinking on um into what future networks should look like. I just didn't see a way in which the current systems um, that are implemented today based on um, 2G, 3G, 4G, and even 5G, I didn't see how that would meet uh, the requirements of next generation networks without doing something about the available bandwidth. So I started searching for what was, um. Going on in research to address this problem, not only research but research and industry, and then I came across uh, the terahertz uh, frequency range. So in my last podcast, I talked about channels in um, wireless communication and and particularly within the context of telecommunications, as being a medium or a physical channel resource which is between two endpoints, typically the base station and your mobile phone as an example and what we've got in the channel is an assigned portion of spectrum which is different for every operator in which services are provided over the air interface to end users so we have channels defined by characteristics which includes um the wavelength, and the wavelength of every channel is determined by the operating frequency simply a function of the speed of light divided by the operating frequency so in general the higher the wave the higher the frequency the lower the wavelength and the smaller the frequency the higher the wavelength and what this means is we've got Different characteristics of different frequency bands, grouped by their wavelength, which in turn means they are, or or they can be used to provide different services as dictated by the regulatory authority. So typically in not just the UK, but around the world, um, because uh, standards are harmonized globally into which frequency can be used to deploy which service. And this is, uh, fed into standards, which goes into the manufacturing of devices and equipment, which supports this network. So it can't be, um, so it has to be harmonized. So the whole ecosystem works together seamlessly. So generally in the industry, as specified by 3GPP, the frequencies used for, um, deploying mobile broadband services in the UK, for example, is frequency ranging anywhere from 400 megahertz up to four two gigahertz and with the history and evolution of um mobile communications network we've seen um from the very early 90s you know 1g up to 2g 3g 4g and now the advancement of 5g services what this means is over time the amount of bandwidth and the capacity of networks have grown okay so typically um we have different bandwidth configuration to support services so an or, an operator at this point and depending on the amount of uh, spectrum they hold can configure their services either using 5 megahertz configuration 10 15 20 megahertz as specified by 3GPP or if they're going into the higher bandwidth um configuration they would use uh, somewhere around 40, 60, or even up to 100 megahertz. And this is you know, starting to go towards delivery of um, services for 5G. So the issue with bandwidth is that there isn't a lot of it around. And to be able to meet the requirements for next generation network, you have to have more bandwidth. And this is a well-established fact in information theory that the amount of information you can send through a communication channel has a maximum transmission rate which cannot be exceeded. So your capacity, for example, if you had a channel bandwidth configured on a network of around a hundred megahertz, cannot exceed at best conditions somewhere around the mark of 2.5 gigabits per second but where do we need networks to be and to be classified as next generation networks in order to understand next generation networks and what the issue is regarding bandwidth I think it's important to reflect on how we ourselves use technology on a day-to-day basis. I mean, looking on my own experience uh growing up um with technology, essentially, making myself feel very old suddenly. But my first phone was a 3G Samsung phone. And the only thing I could do on my phone basically was to make calls. And for everything else, whether it be social interaction, my health data, um, entertainment, um banking, for example, I went to the bank or watched a movie using my VHS uh, <laughs> player, ETC. But looking at myself today, and I'm sure you would agree with me, a lot of these functions have now become things I do with my mobile phone okay so now for my social interaction i do a lot on facebook i'm communicating this podcast over the internet uh, using my phone um, for example to upload this onto spotify Um, i'm also watching videos although not a lot these days i leave that job to the kids now but we generate a lot of traffic from our house from netflix And in fact, looking at the Ericsson Mobility Report, it's estimated that each smartphone is generating a traffic of around 10 gigabits per second, so from one end user. And it goes on to say that the traffic projected from mobile um, mobile devices is estimated to be around... 300 exabytes by 2026 so we've moved out of the gigabit range so um, individuals are now generating traffic what gigs um in a month networks uh capacity and network demand requirement is growing so we've gone from um tens of gigs to hundreds of gigs to terabytes. And now we're now moving into the exabytes, uh, exabyte or exabyte region. Can't even say that properly. But what this means is to be able to deliver that capacity to serve this need, you need more bandwidth and, this is not just about an increase in bandwidth, but rather changing the way network behaves. So I talked of my experience where earlier my um, phone was purely for making broadband calls, which is good, but now we have the additional requirement to serve uh, video traffic, for example, and 74% of all the traffic generated on our networks today is video, is video traffic. So not only the typical broadband services, end-users and, and other um, functions would use, but we now need to support ultra-low latency communication. So this is the time required to get a response from the network needs to be so small and in fact as small as one milliseconds. And our networks also need to be able to support lots of devices at the same time, so millions and billions of devices So again, we need something And when I say we, yes, it is all of us because both the uh, network operators who provide the uh, channels and supply the devices and everything we need to enjoy the services that we do on our phone and us as end users and consumers or businesses who use the service, we're all a we in the ecosystem because we, the end users, are driving the requirements and the mobile operators, developers, researchers are working hard to make sure we have uh, the right capacity. So do excuse me when I say we, because we are all in this together. So the radio access network needs to get rid of the capacity uh, bottleneck, because this is a bottleneck. You need to bring in um, a wider channel bandwidth so we can get the capacity we all desperately need these days, which gives us tens and hundred gigabits of data. We need to make sure this is done in a way that is energy efficient. And we want to make sure that the communication and the, 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 the block of channel we are sending our data with is contiguous enough because there's a lot of headache around trying to patch spectrum together, which is what um, is termed in the uh, radio access world as carrier aggregation. So if I was an operator and I've got five megahertz or 20 megahertz, um, of spectrum blocks, um, in different regions. I could put them together and say instead of you having five megahertz of only one kind of spectrum, you now have 15, which means you have more capacity to use, um, for your service. But this is where terahertz starts to come in as a candidate for future, uh, communications because it gives that high bandwidth. In fact, it gives a hundred times bandwidth compared to anything that is below the 100 gigahertz frequency at the moment it's not regulated so it is really a free for all so if you can make it work it can work for you but then we'll talk about the challenges in making this work and it is highly frequency selective which means you know you shouldn't have the same problems with interference and also this should be a much better system to implement okay so this straight away takes away the bandwidth problem but here comes the bot there are a number of challenges to sort out with this so because the terahertz frequency are operating in a completely different range it comes with a set of challenges we need to resolve before this is um, before this becomes a reality in more than the um, telecommunication systems, so some of those challenges include channel modeling. The models for lower frequencies just cannot be applied for this because, as the wavelengths for terahertz frequencies are shorter, the um the current uh channel modeling just doesn't work because you need to account for a lot more things and a lot more um impacts that uh, terahertz channel includes i'm um, sorry encounters and that includes high molecular absorption and high reflection loss we need to take into account the behavior this signal um, experiences whether it's in a line of sight non-line-of-sight um, um, propagation condition effects of multipaths, effects of noise sources, thermal noise, for example, ETC. So these are all things that have to be taken into account when the new channel models for this uh, terahertz frequency band is developed. We also have issues with modulation and coding again we need to think about not just going from, um, the lowest uh, modulation scheme, say, uh, uh, QPSK, for example, straight up to two five six QAM, because you know if this is um available and the conditions are right and this can be adaptive, but we need to also think about distance-aware modulation required because again, terahertz frequencies, by their nature, they will not travel far because there are a lot of um factors in the environment, blockage. Um, small objects, so like people, foliage or uh, foliage, for example, trees and all of that disrupting the signal. So we have to think about distance-aware modulation, so to know what kind of modulation to use, where, how to identify errors and how to generate the best low complexity coding to help this work. Um. Another area that is both exciting and challenging for terahertz frequency is uh, an area of um, massive MIMO. So previously I stated that the wavelength for terahertz is very small, which makes it a perfect candidate to be able to enable MIMO communications. So multiple antenna communications, both from the end user and the beast and the base station side. So typically today you have um multiple antennas. So I think in uh, massive MIMO systems you can have up to two, five, six antennas. Personally I've only worked to the sixty four T 64 R1, but I think experimentally there are massive um Massive MIMO uh, antennas, which support up to two five six antennas in production already, so you can have this. But then also you have the capability with smaller wavelengths to be able to put more antennas into the end user devices. Which means that when beamforming is used, there's more benefit because you have the dual um, multiple output from both the base station and and both the end user. And Another area of challenge that needs to be resolved is challenges at the MAC layer. So with terahertz frequency, because there is reduced resource uh, contention due to the wider channels, there is, you know, there's an opportunity to improve on the network uh, with that regard because the channel is essentially wider. And also there's a possibility to have short transmission times. Um, improve alignments between transmit and receive and come up with different uh, receiver-based transmission schemes to help this work later. Now, another fundamental problem with um, terahertz or rather an opportunity is that this can come in as an additional capacity layer. So today in telecommunications network, you have the lower frequency band being used as a coverage layer, And then you have the um, 4G or the 2.6 bands used as a mid-layer. And then you've got the 3.5 or the 5G band these days being used as a capacity layer. So what could happen with terahertz frequency when you have this wide bandwidth, you can use this ultra-high frequency as an additional capacity layer. So if you have services, for example, that are struggling or, you know, cannot get or maybe you've got the high-capacity users, for example, you could push this onto this super, super high-capacity layer to get the traffic they need, and then they fall back um, onto the coverage or or another capacity layer. But to make this work, there has to be efficient handover between the cells because the the terahertz network is going to be an ultra-small cell, maybe at its best only hundreds of meters in radios um maybe in in, in non line of sight uh, propagation condition and maybe longer for line of sight because then you can have point to point communication and your signal will travel faster without enc- encountering as many as many obstacles um in the transmission part, but of course there has to be good efficiency in the network layer while this um, uh, your user or users are being handed over. For the transport layer, there's a need to adapt and modify uh, TCP congestion. So TCP is the transmit control protocol, which controls um, uh, the transport of your IP bits on your network. And the reason this is important is that you want to prevent loss of data. So you need to make sure your data remains remains complete. And also take into account cross-layer optimization framework to make sure... um, there are no effects due to transient effects as the signal propagates. Another challenge to be resolved uh, towards seeing the real- realisation of terahertz networks is, of course, one of my favourite subjects, test beds. Um, we've all seen how much five G has advanced in a short span of time, because of all of the different uh, collaborative uh, research effort, but also because of the test beds that have supported establishing what are the theoretical uh, possibilities with this testing out the bandwidth, well not just bandwidth, testing out the possibilities of five G. The same needs to happen with um with terahertz band because this is an important concept of next generation networks leading up to 6g so we need test beds where we can understand how this radio um, frequency behaves in relation to other aspects um, of the network and also how the different elements I've talked about before around channel modeling, modulation, massive MIMO challenges at the MAC layer, network layer, transport layer, all of that needs to be modeled on a test bed from where um, knowledge and experience will be gained on how to take this forward. In an attempt to wrap this session up, I want to try to explain why terahertz and why not any other frequencies below 100 gigahertz for example so one good reason is spectrum that is above 100 gigahertz is currently on sense. and if you follow the research and development in the spectrum you would see there's already quite a good pace gathered around um, millimeter wave and using frequencies around 28, 60, maybe 70 gigahertz uh, spectrum in trials, and even some commercial deployments are already in existence. Those frequencies are also used currently for point-to-point networks. Um, So basically, if you go above the 100 gigahertz spectrum range, you find lots of spectrum that is on license, And can provide the wide carrier bandwidth available to meet the requirements. Another good reason is that when you move above 10 gigahertz, uh, sorry, 10 terahertz, you get very high bandwidth. But the problem is this, um, with this is that you need to be able to transmit power at such a level that you have to maintain, um, eye safety limits okay so the infrastructure that is required to generate and tune this for high capacity is still very impractical the third reason which i mentioned earlier is that this really brings the massive mimo game up to a new level because instead of just simply having multiple antennas on the base station hands you're now we're now heading towards a position where and multiple antennas can be constructed in a mobile phone as an example and this is a very important concept for designing mimo system for terahertz and also for beamforming which beamforming which helps to direct energy towards the devices so In summing up, although there's a lot of challenges, but as with everything research, there's always a lot of promise. And TerraHares, again, is an interesting area. It's receiving a lot of attention, a lot of research. And the main reason this is happening is that we need to evolve the way networks are built and deployed from the bottom right up to the top. And that's because as end users, as people, as industry, we have changed the way we use telecommunications technology and the way the networks were built up um, 10 years ago is not going to meet the requirements um, for future telecommunications network. So that's it for this episode. Let me know if you have any questions and I will be happy to respond. Thank you so much and until next time, goodbye.